0: My personal experience is, you know, hang in there, be patient, be open, and uh, opportunities will find. And you know, it'll be fun, and you know, the job will, will never be
1: boring. Hello, and welcome to the ATS Breathe Easy podcast. Today, I am here with Dr. Ian Smith. Dr. Smith is a clinical professor in the Division of Pulmonary and Critical Care at the David Geffen School of Medicine, University of California, Los Angeles. Dr. Smith, thank you for joining us today. Hi, uh, good afternoon. Before we jump into the topics we'll discuss, let's get the introductions out of the way. Dr. Smith, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: Um, well, I'm uh, Los Angeles. so. Uh... I've been in L- LA most of my life. I went away for college, but uh, everything else was here in Los Angeles. I went to USC Medical School and then came over to UCLA to be a resident and then a chief resident and then the two fellowships. Uh, so on LA all the way.
1: Very good. Sunny California. I can definitely see their attraction. All right, let's move forward with some questions. So this time can be quite an anxiety-provoking period in the lives of pulmonary and critical care trainees as they make their transition from third- and fourth-year fellows to a fully fledged attendant. Can you talk a little bit about your role, both as a mentor as well as a clinical educator, in helping them make that transition? Um,
0: Well, so I'm... uh clinician in particular so a lot of what I'm doing is in the hospital or in the office clinics. Um, so I'm with them kind of shoulder to shoulder, taking care of patients and um months or years when they're still reacting to on their own as it were without someone supervising them.
1: Excellent. And when it comes to mentorship, what do you think are some of the important things junior faculty should look for in trying to select a mentor?
0: Well, I think that some of that's um, organic. It comes out of the job you're doing and the things that you need help with Admire how they work or what they're doing, uh, and reaching out and and developing a relationship that way. Um, So just just asking and listening and finding someone to uh, to ask your questions and and get them answered. Uh, You know, it's it's. I've been at UCLA a long time now, so I've seen ups and downs and different things happening. And um, you know, I I try to uh, to to explain that and, and help people see a way through some of the. Feel like they got stuck. Uh, they're not making the progress they think they should be making. Um, so, you know, that's what, what I offer, and some of the older uh, clinicians in our in our faculty group. So, um, we also like to have meetings with everybody in the whole group, so we can all share. Um, you know, where where we are with our uh, where our careers are, where we're hoping to get to, how we can kind of help each other. So, I guess we do a fair amount of group mentorship within our group uh, of faculty members and we can all kind of share across uh, the levels of experience and, and help each other. So that's, that's how it's kind of grown up. Mentorship is kind of grown up in our uh, clinician educator
1: educated group. Excellent. So what I'm hearing from you is that at UCLA, mentoring tends to be a more organic process within the pulmonary division. However, I'm sure this varies significantly based on your practice environment and the faculty group you have joined.
0: chief um, and some of uh, the other people in leadership uh, about you know meeting certain markers in terms of uh, your teaching and your publications and your clinical activity and and they give some kind of formal feedback at that time as well I, I think that's intimidating and perhaps less useful on a kind of a day-to-day benefit um, than having a, a group of
1: Fantastic. So let's switch gears a little. The role of a clinical educator within the Division of Pulmonary Critical Care Medicine has really been one that's been better defined over the last uh, couple of decades. Can you talk a little bit about what your reasons were for choosing to become a clinical educator going down that track and um, what your role actually means on a day-to-day basis? Well, you know, I always um,
0: thought I'd be a clinical practitioner right on through uh, I'd I, I, probably go into private practice, um, but I uh, stuck around at UCLA and did that, you know, chief residency year. I really enjoyed the university. Um, you know, I came in, out in the air of the morning report, and that was, I really, that was a lot of fun getting together with people and talking about cases. And I think it all kind of emerged out of that uh, when I was done and uh, I was looking around with what to do. Uh, I was offered just to stay and, and see patients at UCLA, and I could continue to. Teaching and, and, you know, case discussion and everything just kind of grew out of that years. Um, as kind of the clinical educator role has also grown at UCLA over the last 20 years. Uh, even the, the whole track has become more defined during that time. But really that's what it, it, it came about just naturally from um, my training, I think. I, when I. kind of grew up during my time.
1: Okay. And, you know, Dr. Smith, you're in a unique pre- um, position That's in addition to being a master clinician and working with um, residents and fellows in an academic center, you also have a thriving community practice. For those who are branching out and going into the community, what Um, Advice? Do you have for them? What are some avenues they have to gain exposure um, to a new community and meet and referring doctors?
0: Well, you know, this is also something that we're you know uh, learning by doing um, as we start up these uh, community offices. Uh, It's been um, you know we're we're trying to figure out the the right way to do it. Uh, to support our clinician educators, make sure uh, that they are, you know, know, being into their uh, their local ecosystem uh, and and getting uh, the patients and, and I guess, communicating well with their referring docs, uh, working well with uh, local hospitals, uh, and also uh, being connected to the the academic um, teaching mission down at the the university, getting trainees out to them so they can work with them, having them come down a little bit, and do some teaching on site, as well as um, you know, some some teaching in the classroom. Perhaps you know, doing case presentations, or, or we're we're finding, I guess, the right blend, um, and that keeps people excited uh, and engaged, um, uh, but also busy and, and seeing patients and and, uh, and and developing those practices and, and building them. So, what we you know? We're we're working with them, and, and in my case, I'm often actually working up there. <laughs> to get
1: things off the ground. So. I see. Great. And how do you best balance, you know, growing? what advice would you give to a, a new starting attendant on balancing um, a growing practice, but while continuing to keep a foot in and maintain the academic pursuits that we often want in joining, um, in joining an academic institution? You know, we need to make sure that we're Protecting that part of uh,
0: what our clinician educators are doing because that's, you know, uh, that's their motivation, part of their motivation. So we're illnesses and how to interface with the university
1: So, Dr. Smith, as someone who has, um, mentored a variety of, um, clinician educators, both within the community as, within, as well as within an academic institution, what do you see as the future of that role and where do you see it going?
0: Uh, well, you know, as I, I, it, it's not going away because, uh, we, a lot of, um, uh, uh, uh the universities are, are establishing these large, um are establishing a large clinical base, so they need um, you know, clinics staffed by uh, clinician educators. Um, so, it, And we need to figure out how to to fill those roles with people that are um, engaged and enthusiastic about it and, and are um, being rewarded not only for uh, being clinicians, but also for being good educators. So getting that blend correct, getting um, getting them enthusiastic and creating a sustainable um, uh, job for them. So they're, they're, they're feeling it's rewarding and they're, they're, they're teaching what they want to and doing clinical projects and doing publications. And we're, you know, I think, I think there's a, it's a, it's a uh, there's a lot of um, opportunity in the future. and This is just gonna be something that's gonna expand further.
1: Excellent. And so with your um, time so far, you know, both initially as a clinician educator and now more in a mentorship role, um, as well as working in the community. What have been your high points in your career?
0: Um, you know, i, I like to see these things succeed and see, um, practices grow, uh, and people come aboard, and, um, and, and, you know, really, I, I'm that's. I think that I get the most satisfaction uh, from that to see a you know the, uh, practice grow and bloom and and people are advancing and enjoying their work and um, and you know we we saw that when we expanded down into the Santa Monica area um, and I'm hoping we're going to see that as we expand into other sites and we're going to have clusters of, of doctors that are that are happy and um, and the clinic is I mean I, I really I like that it's fun it's uh, it's good to see and I think you know I, there is a legacy. Hopefully, will be some these driving practices and physician
1: groups. Wonderful. And what have been some of the challenges you've found in trying to um, start clinician educator programs, both in you know in the d- different locations that UCLA has expanded out into? Well, as I
0: said, I, yeah, I think trying to get the blend right. So uh, they are, are having that they're enjoying. That's uh, you know challenging. Uh, and that you know, we that we get it right, that we make it so that they have both a robust clinic population and also good teaching opportunities and good creativity. Uh, so that's you know, it's we're still trying to get it right, and uh, sometimes we have to adjust and change and um, and and make it so. It's uh, so I'm trying to, I think listening to the people that are working out there and, and working with them and finding a way to do that, and, and we are we are going to.
1: And finally, do you have any words of wisdom for, you know, third year, fourth year fellows thinking of going down this track?
0: Well, you know, I think um, it's fun. So, you know, when I was in in their shoes and I was thinking about what to do, someone told me that uh, it's good to stay at the university because you'll never be bored. (laughs) <laughs> um, and it's true. There's always something going on. Someone. I mean, I never knew that I would be involved in cystic fibrosis program, or that I'd be involved in interventional pulmonary, um, or that I would have a lung nodule. All you know, things just kind of come up. And you have a lot of uh, ambitious, creative people, and lots of projects going on. You're going to be pulled into a and There's always something new, something interesting. So it's it's certainly been that. And I would encourage them to, if they like. You know the role of the teacher or, or working with the um, house staff uh, that it's a fun job that, it's, uh, that it will be fun so that's what I would encourage
1: them Excellent, sounds mentally stimulating <laughs> <laughs> Okay well thank you so much Dr. Smith we appreciate the time and uh, knowledge you shared with us today on life as a Palmer in Critical Care clinician educator and mentor have a good one have been listening to Fellows Chat, part of the ATS Breathe Easy
0: podcast. Thank you and goodbye.